When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to the Record Rangers podcast with me, Johnny McFarlane. Scott McDermott, my regular guest, is away on holiday. He is in Blackpool of all places. That will come as no surprise to many of you. But I don't think he is the reason why Nicola Sturgeon was pinpointing that as a meeting place for Celtic and Rangers. I hope Scott will obviously be back next week and can speak for himself. But in the meantime... We have replaced him with two very fine guests in PA's Andy Newport. Hello, Andy. How you doing, boys? And Adam Miller, Mr. Old Firm Facts from Twitter. Welcome, Adam. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Now, we're going to start off with the unusual aspect to this Rangers uh, and Celtic clash, or should it be Celtic and Rangers, because it is at Celtic Park. Based on the fact there are going to be no fans in the stadium for the first time in the history of this fixture. Now, I recall going back, Andy, many eons ago when Celtic won 2-0 at Ibrox where there was no Celtic fans in attendance. But this is the first time there's been nobody at all. How, how do you think this is going to actually impact on this game? And will it take away Celtic's normally crucial home advantage? Um. I think we're now far enough down the road of you know playing these sort of closed door games. I mean, what we now sort of fifteen games into the season, something like that. Um, well, I think both teams will be fairly used to it now. I mean, um, I was speaking to Mickey Mellon this week, and he said that that you know the Dundee United players are certainly getting that that feeling that they are just you know this is the new norm. I mean, this is what is normal for them. So um, I don't think it'll have any great you know surprising effect on them in terms of what they've been used to recently um, I do think it might have a wee bit of a difference in terms of what you'll see as a, what you perceive to be your normal sort of type of firm game I think you know we've all seen how players react really to what the crowds uh, are doing uh, during these games uh, they really do manage to sort of stir up the, the, the sort of passions um, again I was speaking to Greg Dockerty along this week and he, he felt that just without that tension that the crowd brings when you just see guys just sort of you know the ball pinballing about because that's just what happens when when the crowd gets up that you might actually see a bit of a sort of end to end game where, where both teams just go at it you won't have see one team penned in maybe Rangers that say because they've got the you know fifty sixty thousand you know people screaming at them and you know roaring the opposition on so. I think it'll be a pretty unique spectacle. I mean, um, sadly, I'm not one of the, the lucky few reporters that are going to be at the game tomorrow. That's my, my colleague, Ronnie Esplin from, from PA. He'll be there for us. But um, I would love to see, I'd love to see, you know, that's one of the interesting things about being at games this season is being able to sort of hear the shouts and what goes on in the, on the touchline and get a real insight into that sort of thing. So I, I really wish I was there tomorrow to get a sort of a, a, an insight into to what goes on during an old firm game with, with the, the sort of the volume turned off. 
Yeah, Adam, how much will this fixture miss the colour, the vibrancy, the passion, the hatred that comes along with 60,000 fans at the fixture? Well, I mean, the hatred will still be there. It'll just be on Twitter. But <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be surreal. I mean, every game this season has been surreal watching it on the TV. And uh, even... You know, even exciting games that you that you've seen, high scoring games, they still don't feel. You know, you've almost got a sort of tinge of regret watching them, thinking how good would this be if there was a, a full house there. And uh, I think tomorrow, um, I think it's really gonna it's really gonna take something away from it. Obviously, it's still a, a massive game in terms of the repercussions, regardless of who wins. But as a spectacle, so much is uh, focused normally on the, as you said, the hatred, but just the, the noise and the passion and the spectacle. And it's a huge selling point of it beyond Scottish football. And I think it's going to be strange watching two sets of players in a rivalry in such an intense world-renowned rivalry where, as Andy said, you can sort of pick up on what people are saying. And uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be strange that there's no fans there or as Ryan Kent put it earlier, that they're playing, they're not playing in a stadium. So I don't know what, <laughs> don't know what Ryan Kent was referring to there. I don't know where he's planning on having the game tomorrow. But Yeah, I mean, Andy, in terms of the the players that, 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 that go out there on that pitch tomorrow, the likes of Scott Brown, Stephen Davis, who have been through it before, is their experience of that fixture less important now because of the lack of fans? And is there almost a sense that it's a completely even playing, uh, uh, an even match? Because without that element of the support coming in and, and giving the edge to their team, it really does become about who's the better footballing side. I'm not sure I totally agree with that because... I think certainly if you look at Rangers and Celtic's results this season, the games where they have struggled are the games away from home. Um, so I think there is still, and I know there was a lot made of you know, when the Bundesliga came back earlier this year, that all oh, that home advantage doesn't seem to have been wiped out. But I think as far as the old farmer are you know, concerned that the, you know, the, going away from home is still a struggle for them. So I, I still expect to see Celtic being, you know, slightly more on top than Rangers and Rangers perhaps just been willing to sort of sit in in terms of experience I mean in the day you obviously hear players say that they try to block out the crowd obviously that's not as you know doable in all firm games as perhaps with other fixtures but you know the experience that's going to be vital this is, is how to control certain elements of the match you know if, when you're on top or if, you, if you're behind how you react that's where experience really comes into it and you know if you don't have that experience, that's where a game can get away from you. So perhaps you know Rangers will be looking, and Celtic will be looking to the the guys in the and their team that have sort of been over the course before. Yeah, absolutely, I, Adam. In terms of Rangers and the way they're going to attack this game, do you think that Steven Gerrard will go into it with real confidence based on how they've been playing? Now, there's been a lot made of the fact that Celtic while they've ground out results this season, haven't quite hit the heights that we saw, certainly in the second half of last year. Do you you think Gerrard will be thinking, this is our opportunity here to go to Celtic Park, put a marker down for the rest of the season? 
Well, I think uh, I think the psychological hurdles already been cleared for Gerard uh, with that result in December. I think that was. I think if Rangers hadn't won that game, I think you might have a different mindset going into this one. But I think that result, um, regardless of the sort of post winter break collapse, um, I think he, he's no longer going to be going to Celtic Park and you know having any fear about it. I think Gerard showed even in. Uh, games that Rangers haven't been beaten Celtic at. There's only been maybe one or two games since Gerard came to Rangers where Celtic have been the dominant team. There have been times where Rangers have beaten Celtic and there have been times where Celtic have got the result, for instance, the Betfred Cup final, and Rangers have been the better team. So I don't think Gerard's going to have any concerns about his team's ability to get a result, certainly um, to put up a decent performance. I think... Um, Psychologically, I think the big thing for Rangers is still can they maintain momentum? So, you know, there's always a fear for Rangers that if they win the big games against Celtic, that they can still go and lose points later in the season um, in what would be framed as games that aren't quite so intense, quite so big. So I think I think he'll believe the Rangers can go and get something tomorrow. And I think I think he'll uh, line up with that in mind. Well, we're going to move on to the the lineups and how Rangers are going to actually set up for this one. Now, Andy, you're obviously at the presser today speaking to Stephen Gerrard. I heard your dulcet tones halfway through <laughs> asking a question about Alfredo Morelos, which was quite an interesting answer when he said, uh, you may mo- know more than me. I don't know if you were giving him a hint that somehow you, ha- you had something well, set up for him just, there. I, I think I just uh, made a mess of my question. I'd said uh, um, he came back last night and he was sort of... Uh, Quick to point out that um, he'd come back yesterday afternoon. I, I think I just based mine on the what time I saw his, his Instagram post that. So ah right, that's quite to put me straight. Yeah, uh, well it was quite a funny wee quippy. Obviously, uh, he obviously was having a wee laugh about it. Um, but in terms of um, Zungu, uh, the new signing, Gerard was quite clear that he is now in isolation. Uh, as part of his move from France, so he won't be playing in that midfield. But I do see a lot of discussion on social media around how Gerard is going to set up his midfield area. And I suppose the big question is, is he going to go for Jack? Is he going to go for Kamara in there? What's your take on who would provide the best option for this game? I think he'll go, um, basically, Davis, uh, Jack, and then Arfield in front of them. Um, I think those two are the guys he trusts, uh, in terms of Davis and Jack, um, They've got the experience as well. Um, obviously, Kamara's played in all from games before and done well, but I think, uh, largely speaking, any time when you've had that sort of trio fit, um, the guys he goes to for big games will be Jack and Davis. Uh, and then Arfield, I think, is the form player uh, in that area at the moment. Um, and I also think, just in terms of having a blend of options, if you, I think if you were to go, uh, I'm not even sure how you could fit a sort of Davis, Jack, Kamara, sort of trio in there. They, they, they all seem to, the three of them sort of tend to do the same job a lot of the time. Whereas Arfield, with his movement, with his runs into the box and the final third, um, the way he's, he's comfortable sort of picking up in, in sort of tight areas, and obviously he gives you a goal threat. So um, I would be fairly surprised if he if he went any other way. I mean, the only other sort of consideration would be if he's you know perhaps playing a a fast one with uh, with what he was saying today about Joe Rebo being not quite fit yet. Um, he wasn't 
totally definitive on, on that front uh, when he spoke at the press on this morning. Suggested, yeah, he's, it might game might come too soon, but um, that would be uh, sort of an outside bet. But you know, in terms of that midfield three, yeah, I would definitely think it would be Ryan Jack, Stephen Davis, and, and Scott Arfield in front. Adam, what do you think in terms of Yanis Hadji? Uh, he's one of these guys that has been in and out in terms of Gerard's starting lineup. It seems like for the big games, like against Galatasaray, he's selected, um, but he's often been rested uh, as well for some of the other uh, games. Uh, do you think that Hadji is a player that, that should start against Celtic because of his ability to create? We know that he's had a number of assists already this season. I think Kaji's a, a big game player. He's still a young guy and uh, it's you know at this stage he's not necessarily the most consistent player, but uh, I think he's shown already both in the, the loan spell last season and in the early stages of this season that he's you know he's capable of bring, you know bringing up that kind of big moment that other players around him might not necessarily be able to provide whether that fits into the way Gerard, you know, wants to set up his team tomorrow. I don't know, but uh, if you're talking about big games and players with the talent to to make a difference, I think I think he has to be in consideration. I think the thing yeah. with, with Haji is that he, you know, the thing that's, that let him down, the reason why he's at Rangers and not at a really major club in Europe is, is probably two things we've seen this season. Is, is one's pace, um you know, if he was a yard or two quicker, you know, he, he would be a serious operator. Another thing where he sort of struggled a wee bit this season is just the pace of the Scottish game when, you know, you're, you're not getting that, you know, time to breathe to take a touch. So it's an interesting one in terms of how he might fit into a Euro, an, an old firm game. In Europe, that's probably we've seen his best performances. We, where there's more space for him to get his head up and play passes. There will probably be more space in terms of him you know, be able to turn and, and Celtic not being sort of penned in and, and sitting in. But whether or not he gets that time to be able to lift his head and, and pick passes or not is, is something else. So I think that's a, a sort of big decision for Stephen Gerrard and whether or not he, he trusts uh, Jans Hadji to sort of deal with the unique sort of, you know, pressures of an old firm game. What's the alternatives though, Andy? If he doesn't have Hadji in there, will he go for potentially the pace of a Jordan Jones or a Brandon Barker? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's, you know... If it's going to be a pretty open game, then that might be an area which where Celtic can be exploited, um, pacing behind Greg Taylor doing that right hand side. So um, I think that will be it's the only other option other, other than um, you know, perhaps say putting Arfield out there. But you know, given the way he's been performing in the middle of the park, I don't think that will be a consideration. So um, it's a big call, probably other than the goalkeeping situation. It's the only sort of really decision of, of doubt at the moment. Um, but you know, I, th- I think you know it, it all depends on the game game plan. If Rangers are going to sit in, then perhaps they want they might want to have that pace in the break. But if if, if they're comfortable that they're going to be able to sort of go toe to toe with Celtic and the, the sort of dominating the balls um, stakes, then perhaps the Hadji is, is the man they go for. Yeah, and listen, I know this is uh, going to come as no surprise to people who listen to this podcast regularly because we're about to head into the Alfredo Morelos corner. <laughs> Adam, that's uh, 12 games and no goals against Celtic. He has given you an absolute ream of material over those uh, matches in terms of your Old Firm Facts account. Can he use this game to to turn it round? And if if he does, 
<laughs> will it put to bed what has been a pretty difficult period for the Colombian? I think the thing is, if you drop someone for a big game on the basis that they've not scored against that opponent previously, then this is always going to drag on with him. You think on paper that if you look to that Rangers team, he's still not necessarily the biggest threat if you've got Ryan Kent, but he's right up there in terms of, you know, on any game the Rangers are playing, you'd say Alfredo Morelos is the one of the biggest threats. So to pull him out of a game on the basis that he's not scored in previous games, um, you know, I think that's just going to create problems for him. I think sooner or later he has to score against Celtic. And you think about games like the Betfred Cup final, um, you know, on another day, he might have scored a hat-trick in that game. Foster had an absolutely brilliant game that day. And, uh, you know, I, I think... I think if you just leave Morelos out of every Celtic game from now until he leaves the club, I think this is just always going to be something that hangs over his head when he is on his day capable of scoring against that Celtic defence. Andy, what's your, what's your take on Morelos and whether or not he should start? I mean, I thought Gerard today in the presser was less than 100% that Kmar Roof wouldn't be involved when he said, maybe this game will come too soon for Roof and Aribo. And I thought to myself... Well, perhaps they'll be on the bench. What was your take? I would still be surprised from Morelos at the start. I mean, the only thing that sort of would, um, you know, give me slight doubts is just the travelling. Obviously, he's, he's played on Wednesday night in Santiago in Chile, a 2-2 draw with, uh, for Colombia, a 7,000-mile flight back across the Atlantic. Um, arrived yesterday afternoon, as, as the manager was uh, quick to point out to me. Um so that'd be the only consideration, but he's he's done that sort of thing before, uh, and come back in to, to play. So, um, listen, I still think Morelos is key to the way Rangers play in terms of how they use him to get themselves up the pitch. I, I do think they're they're much less reliant on him this term. I mean, he's, he's only scored five goals, and um, two of them were obviously uh, against uh, Lincoln Red Imps. Um, so. They've shared the goals around a lot more this season than last, but you know you only have to look back at the games um, where Morelos, even without scoring, the trouble he gave the, the likes of you know Chris Ayer and, and Christopher Julian last season would mean that you would you be sort of foolish not to sort of think that he, he couldn't uh, reproduce that and, and give that sort of same performance again. So. Um, I do think that perhaps the pressure might be a little less on him this time out, that crowd sort of being at him, you know. You, you could tell um, that chance that uh, when he gets sent off in the December game, that had that been any other position, he's pulling the trigger. But I think you could clearly see when he took that tumble to get the second yellow card that got him sent off, he had it in his head that he didn't want to miss another chance uh, against Celtic. So, uh, And obviously the Celtic fans were, were lapping up at that that point. Um, so, so do you think, Andy, then, that he has had a psychological block against Celtic? I, I don't see how you can put it in other way. I mean, I mean, just the it had to have an effect on him. I mean, I think it's, I think it's to his credit that he's performed so well in other aspects of his game against Celtic. He hasn't allowed that, that to sort of put him off. But the chances he's missed, you know, I, I can't reason it any other way. I mean, the the the, the one where he gets the second yellow for diving um, in the December game, 
any other time we've seen him in a summer position, he's pulling the trigger. I mean, he pulls the trigger from some ridiculous angles at times when he's got guys in better position, but he's a, he's a number nine, he's a centre-forward, and you, you forgive him for that because that's the way strikers are at times. But you know, for him not to pull the trigger in that, that situation just led me to believe that you know, there was something deeper going on there. And, you know, it's it's understandable. I mean, he's he's got this record. Um, you know, I think he's, there's been so much discussion over it. I mean, I think perhaps had he had a better run against Celtic uh, in these fixtures, uh, a better record against Celtic, then perhaps you might have seen some more serious bids come in from over the time. I think perhaps people are thinking, well, until he can prove that he can handle, not just playing against a, a team of Celtic's quality, because you'll go to leagues that'll have teams that have higher quality in Celtic, but handling that pressure situation, uh, which is really what defines top-class players, their ability to play when the, the heat is on, um, then, you know, I, th- I think had he shown he could cope with that a wee bit better, then you, know, you might have seen clubs with, with some more firmer interest in him. Listen, there has been a change in the way Rangers play this season because the number nine is being expected to drop in a lot more and create. And I just wonder, Andy, whether or not Morelos is actually truly suited to that role. I don't think he's the most um, skillful and naturally technically languid on the ball and, 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 and a guy who can control it very, very quickly at 99 times out of 100 and, and find that perfect pass. That Those aspects of his game, to me, are, are not necessarily his strengths. For me, it's when he's being a bull in a china shop, roughing defenders up, getting in their faces, getting on the end of crosses... Uh, chasing things down, that's when he's at his best. So, so I suppose what I'm asking you is, is there an argument to play a, a half-fit Kemar Roof in there? Because that's his natural game. Well, um, if you're asking me, is a half-fit Kemar Roof better than a fully-fit Alfredo Morelos, then no. Um, it's debatable whether or not a fully-fit Kemar Roof is better overall than a, a fully-fit Alfredo Morelos, you know, guys down at Leeds might tell you differently, but so far from what we've seen in Rangers, there's been flashes, but nothing concrete to say that it'll be a better long-term option than what Morelos has been so far. So um, all I'm saying in that front is just look at the games when Morelos wasn't playing up front for Rangers. Obviously, I know Jermaine Defoe is a different player last season, but Rangers really struggled to get the ball into the final third without Morelos there to give them that as you say, that bulldozing ability, um, just the way he, you know, he sort of, you know, holds off defenders and, and gives you just a, you know, a focal point for your attack. So um, that's maybe a wee bit harsh on Jermaine Defoe because that's not a type of player he is. But you know, I, I would certainly say that Rangers found that he was, you know, more than adequate in terms of getting them up the pitch uh, at times last season. Um, you know, Roof is a different type of player again. Uh, you know, oh, listen, Andy. Listen, I want to cut you off there because I, I, I'm playing devil's advocate. I would play Morelos all day long tomorrow. See, I just wonder. You get us on here and you try to make it. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I suppose what I'm trying to get at is, is um, from what I've seen this season, there has been a change, and it's whether or not Alfredo Morelos is completely comfortable with that. Now, I'm sure he can adapt, um, and perhaps I think, even. I think he, he, he would. Th- I think Morelos will feel that he should have more goals this season. He's had opportunities. He's snatched at a few things this season. So um, it's not like he's not... Yeah, he's, he's been asked on occasion to, to drop in deep. I don't think that's been the case in every game. Um, but, uh, you know, I think 
he's obviously clearly not been as sharp as he was at the start this time last season. But you know, I, th- I think I still think for an occasion like tomorrow's, then you would be taking a big, you know, a big risk even with his record against Celtic to leave him out. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Listen, uh, we're going to move on to predictions now, and Adam. Um, I suppose the prediction I want from you is, uh, as a man who who thrives on the the chaos and the colour and the humour that comes out of uh, Celtic versus Rangers or uh, vice versa, uh, I wonder what you think tomorrow will be like. Will we still have that same level of of interest and animosity and and and, and talking points, despite the fact that you haven't got the same level of uh, of people in the ground? I'd, I'd be surprised, to be honest. I think when you think about the the most entertaining kind of on-field meltdowns and scraps and all the rest of it, most of that, uh, you know, it, it might start from something on the park, but when you throw in 50,000, 60,000 fans, that always sort of serves to inflame it. And... I think it'll just if, if that's recreated with no fans, it's just going to look bizarre. I, I mean, the people will still be getting in their faces. They'll be doing the usual sort of derby thing of, you know, getting one in early, you know, flying tackles and all the rest of it. But I, I don't think there's going to be the same level of, you know, meltdowns and all the rest of it. You'll see plenty of that in social media, but I don't think on the pitch it's going to have quite the same level of intensity. Um, I think it's. Uh, you know, you're you're still going to see people up in their face, up, up in each other's faces, but I don't. I'd, I'd be surprised if there's a controversy on the same scale as some of the games we've seen in recent years. And I know I'm asking you to deliver yourself a world of pain on your Twitter account. Can you give me a prediction? I thought you were going to ask me if there was an old firm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. well I'll, I'll, I probably will sit on the fence because I, I think you could make an argument for either team tomorrow and I think at this stage um, I, I think a score draw tomorrow to be honest Andy I'm going to tee you up in a second but I, I'm going to just give my prediction first uh, which is I think Rangers will win narrowly 2-1 I think the game will come down to two factors Ryan Kent running against the three Celtic centre halves none of whom are particularly lightning quick. I think if he gets isolated 1v1 with space and behind, he will probably score and certainly cause serious problems. But conversely, I think Celtic will cause Rangers a massive issue at set pieces. And if Rangers aren't very, very careful, I would expect Shane Duffy and Julian to get on the end of something. So they have to be very, very switched on to that. Uh, And I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit like that Cup final that we saw um, famously, I think it was 2003, 2002, when uh, Rangers won 3-2 uh, and Rangers were by far the better team keeping the ball on the deck, but Celtic just kept coming back into it through their, their ability at set pieces. Uh, and I think uh, Celtic are a better footballing team than that Martin O'Neill team, but Rangers will have to be very worried, be, uh, very, very careful because Celtic have a lot of strings to their bow and not only can they play through you, but they're very, very dangerous in that regard. Big physical players who can cause you serious problems. So I'm going to go for 2-1 Rangers. Andy, the floor is yours. I'm afraid I'm going to take uh, the easy way out and go, and go for a 1-1 draw as well. I, th- I think you're right. I think the the set-piece 
issue, given the way Rangers have defended set pieces at times this season where they've looked a wee bit suspect. You just have to look back at the Ross County game a couple of weeks ago where... Uh, I think it was Cal Morris and Carl Donson both get three headers in the box um, that's a major issue especially when you get somebody like Shane Duffy sort of rampaging down on you um, I do think Kent will be crucial but um, I think right now Stephen Gerrard would, would bite your hand off for a 1-1 draw um, and so I think that's that's where my prediction will go Right, that's interesting why, why do you think that, just out of curiosity? Why, just, why would he... just the stage that we are at the season Um Oh yeah, listen. He would obviously be delighted with a victory, but I think you know, still as I said, records away from home um, show that Celtic Park is still going to be a tough place to go. Um, I think they would feel more comfortable if the game was at Ibrox, but I think still, you know, regardless of the fact there's no fans there, I still don't think Rangers will be um, utterly comfortable going to somewhere like Celtic Park. So. As, as much as they got obviously got a result there in December but um, I just think at this stage of the season if you come away from there still top of the table no damage done um, with three old firm games still to play then I think you know Stephen Gerrard would be quite pleased with that and probably Neil Lennon too OK that's terrific Andy thank you for that that is all from us if you want to continue the debate uh, you can get us all on Twitter I'm at Johnny R McFarlane Andy you are at Andy Newport PA and of course, Mr. Old Firm Facts is at, at Old Firm Facts One. Perfect. Okay, guys, thank you very, very much for joining me. And uh, we will be back next week with Mr. Scott McDermott to give you a rundown of what happened in the Old Firm game and give you a full analysis of how that went. Until next time, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.